We want to thank today's sponsor, FindMeCandidates.com. If you are having trouble finding great candidates for a position that you're trying to hire in your company, this is the solution, FindMeCandidates.com. You get to leverage their buying power to get your job listing top of mind in the best job boards available to find the best candidates for your job. So go check it out at FindMeCandidates.com. Welcome to Business Playmakers, the podcast that meets with innovators, trailblazers, and leaders to learn about their experience and what success really means. Hosted by entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. The Business Playmakers podcast is brought to you by Employer Blueprint. Employer Blueprint is focused on developing great leaders and high-performing managers through one-on-one coaching and group workshops. To schedule coaching for you or your team, simply visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Thank you for checking out this week's episode of Business Playmakers. First of all, I want to remind you to subscribe to the show. You can do that through iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Also, I want to let you know what's going to happen. The next three weeks, we're going to uh, share with you a short three-week series, which actually is a recording from a live workshop that I had presented. So you will hear and understand that this is live in front of an audience and uh, a workshop that I had provided a while back about the four walls of management. I know many of you are leaders in your organization, and so... um, um, I just want to share some some management principles that we live by and believe in. And so this week, you're going to hear an introduction to the principles and then um, the foundation of management. And then over the next two weeks, we will hear more about the four walls of management. So hope you enjoy this short three-week series. And after that, we will be back with more great guests on Business Playmakers. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Let me tell you just a little bit about myself briefly, uh, kind of some history and, and how this concept has come about for me. Um, <clears throat> I have, uh, I've always been in some sort of management position um, right out of college. Uh, my degree is actually in organizational communication and marketing, uh, which has very little to nothing uh, to do with what I do now. But I started my career in retail management and um, uh, it was... It was really in the retail space that I started to see and recognize and understand there were some dynamic differences in kind of management styles and strategies and techniques. And, um, uh, and I hate to be you know, quite so uh, objective about it, but quite frankly, there were some right ways and some wrong ways. And um, so it was through this process that I started really trying to dive in and understand what makes the difference between a good manager and a bad manager. And, and as I did that, um, between that and research and, and reading, and I started to kind of pick up some basic fundamental characteristics um, that ultimately led to this concept of what are, some, what are some fundamental things that a good manager does that maybe a bad manager doesn't do. And so, um, so I started really looking at the managers that I liked and, and respected um, and appreciated and, and the ones that, uh, uh, that I did not enjoy working with as much. And, um, and then over time, really kind of just started honing in and, and defining that. And, and ultimately, I think the big thing for me is that I've recognized that management is a craft and skill in and of itself. Um, just like, you know, whatever your degree is in, and, and, and let's say you're an accountant, um, 
Those accounting skills, that's a skill and a craft, and you have to continue to learn and develop and, and, and get continued education on what that is so that you become better at your craft. And I believe management is the same way, that we have to see that as a craft in and of itself. And, uh, and we have to continually learn to develop that. Because most of the time, most people get into management because that's the course of their career. They don't get into management because they say, I want to be a manager. Now, I may have been part of the exception to that. I knew I loved working with people um, and, and from a business perspective, no matter what the industry was. I loved working with people and helping them and, and managing um, the people and the processes. And so um, that's why I really started looking at, well, how do I define what my management style is going to be? And then ultimately, over time, as I started sharing that with others, realized there may be some, some valuable information in all of this. So <clears throat> through the course of my career after retail management, um, uh, realized that retail was not for me. And so I got into the finance industry. Um, uh, first management position I had in the finance industry was managing a call center. And uh, uh, from there, kind of worked my way into some other things, including some relationship management, client management. Um, and then uh, worked for a company where I managed account executives um, that managed our client relationships all over North, Central, and South America. And I loved that job, loved that company. And we'll talk more about that company later. Uh, I, I really learned a lot about just the, the culture um, of that company. And so. Uh, again, through this process, what I continue to do is just sort of hone in this craft of management, hone in these skills and, and define them better and polish them out and put them into practice and see what works and, and what doesn't work. Um, and so all of that led to uh, eventually, about six and a half years ago, I left the corporate world. When I left the corporate world, I came in to help a, a technology company, um, a software training company, kind of develop some processes and, and branded themselves a little bit. And, um, and so now I own that company. I started a company called Gorman Recruiting uh, that I also own. And then uh, I own this division, which is called Employer Blueprint, which is specifically about leadership and management training and development. And then I also own a, um, a very small uh, kind of online production company. And so <clears throat> I have about 30 people on payroll right now, and, um, and, and I, I hold that responsibility very dear to me. I think that's the most important thing of the companies and the profit and loss and all those things. At the end of the day, it's those 30 people that I'm responsible for, and, and I, I take that very seriously. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of walk through some of these principles um, that I've developed over time. A lot of these things aren't new. You know, I know a few of you are kind of going through the, the Dale Carnegie courses, and you may have read a lot of books. A lot of these things are not going to be new because they're not. In fact, I don't think any management principle is new. I think they've been around for thousands of years. We just define them differently, and you figure out what works for you and what makes sense. So the first thing uh, we're going to do is we've all get, got to get on the same page. And so I want to talk about some reasons um, to become a manager and some reasons not to become a manager. And, and let's start, unfortunately, we'll kind of start with the negative just so that we can end on a positive. Um, these are some things that I often hear people talk about the reason that they get into management. One of them is because they want to make more money. And, um, and again, what I'm talking about here is reasons not to get into management, okay? If your whole purpose in getting into management and taking that step into your career is because you want to make a little bit more money, um, you're, going to, you're going to find yourself very unsatisfied with your career choice. There are a lot of ways to use the skills that you've developed to manage people 
uh, or I mean to, to, to make more money without having any kind of management or supervisory responsibility. And so if that's the reason you're getting into it or that you've gotten into a supervisory or management role, I would encourage you to rethink that. I would encourage you to um, maybe talk to your supervisor and say, you know what, I am making more money. I'm not real happy with this though. Uh, there's really no job satisfaction for me. And um, because if you don't have job satisfaction, you certainly cannot encourage that in the people that are reporting to you. The next thing is, um, <laughs> uh, this one I, I often find funny, and, and unfortunately it's kind of funny in a sad way, not in the, not in the laugh out loud way, but um, I want less stress. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that, that I want to get into management because I want less stress. And I, I think we've all heard those things before where, you know, well, um, if I had their job, you know, they've got it easy. They don't have to do as much, put their feet up on the desk, and life is good. And, uh, and I just want to make sure, again, that we're all on the same page here. I have yet to see an organization where the higher you go up through the hierarchy, they give you less responsibility, less accountability, and less stress. That does not happen. And yet, I hear that a lot. Um, in fact, uh, this was, was funny, and, and I, I'm not big in social media. I do it for some business stuff, but that's really not my world. But I had to post this. This actually happened uh, just a few months ago, within the last year. I was sitting at a restaurant um, with my daughter. She's seven years old. She loves Chinese food, so we're sitting there having some Chinese. And I overhear these two guys uh, next to us at the table talking, and one of them says, man, I just can't, you know, I'm not, I can't deal with this anymore. And, and I don't know what he did. It, it appeared, based on the way he was dressed, he was a mechanic. And um, he said, you know, all the stuff they have us doing, it's ridiculous. I can't wait. I'm going to start my own business because then I won't have any stress. I won't have to worry about any of this stuff. And um, I so badly <laughs> wanted to say, please rethink that because that's not the way it's going to work. You're going to lose so much sleep when you try this. But, um, but unfortunately, a lot of people really believe that, that there's going to be less stress when they take that next step. And so, again, if, if, if you've not found that out already, I encourage you to rethink that, because if you have less stress, you probably are not doing your job properly. Because a lot of that is because, and in fact, it kind of goes to this third, third uh, um, reason that I often hear, is that it's kind of the next step in my career. But what happens is, if you don't think about management as a craft and a skill in and of itself, just like you would whatever your industry is, whatever your, your skill set is, whether it's um, uh, client care, whether it's accounting, whether it's IT, whatever it is, if, if you just say, well, management's the next step in my career, then again, you're going to be very unsatisfied because now all of a sudden your whole priority shifts and it's not always about IT anymore. It's not always about accounting anymore. It's half of my time is spent dealing with other people. And so um, oftentimes people get into that because they think that's the next progressional step, that's where I have to go in my career, and that's not really true. And again, I, I would encourage you, there are, um, there are a lot of ways to advance your career without getting into management. There are a lot of opportunities out there that require certain skill sets that don't really require you to, to be responsible for other people. And so let's talk about, let's kind of flip this on the good side, and let's talk about some reasons to become a manager. And so what we're trying to do here is just all get on the same page um, because I'm hopeful that whenever we get through this that we all can agree that at least one of these reasons is what eventually led all of you into some sort of management role. The first one is that you believe you can make a positive contribution to your company. And you think you can make a greater contribution in a management role than you can as an individual contributor, um, which is the way that I define people that don't have a management role as an individual contributor. And so <clears throat> if, you, if you through the course of your career say, I, I can do more for this company, I can provide more, um, 
that may be the right step for you. It may make sense for, for you to take on that extra responsibility, which is, which is really the second piece of this, and that is because you appreciate and thrive on additional responsibility and accountability. Um, uh, that was one of the reasons that I got into management early on is because I appreciate that accountability. I appreciate that responsibility. I, I want that weight on my shoulders. And so that is a great reason to get into management and, and, and agree to kind of take that next step in your career. And then the last one is, and I believe ultimately the most important, and hopefully through the evolution of your management career, if you didn't start out with this as a reason, you end with this as a reason, and that is because you want to make a positive contribution in other people's lives. You want to help other people. You want to help them thrive. You want to help them excel. You want to help them exceed expectations. You want to help other people achieve whatever success looks like for that individual person. And so, if as a manager you sit here today and think none of those three reasons are me, then again, I'm going to encourage you, and I hope I don't step on any toes. I know I've got HR looking at me here. You're probably not in the right role, and, and there's no hard feelings about that. Better to identify that, recognize it, and, and find a place to move on within the organization than to be unhappy, make other people unhappy, and cause greater issues. And so hopefully one of these three reasons are what ultimately have kind of led you or eventually you've come to the conclusion, yes, this is what I appreciate about this, this role that I'm in. And, and if you're not there yet, I really want you to get to that point where you say it's about other people because we're, we're really, we're about to dive into that. So the next thing we have to do to make sure that we are on the same page is we have to define management. And we've got to understand what management really is because I'm going to use that word management a lot and so um, let's make sure we're on the same page. There are thousands and thousands of definitions out there. Um, so uh, I'm going to give you my definition that we're going to kind of base everything on today. But I want to hear from you first. Give me your thoughts on what does management mean? Say again. Long sleepless nights. Some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Remember that concept of reflection. We're going to talk about that in a little while, that your staff can reflect off of. That's very good. What are the thoughts we have about what does management mean? What does it mean to be a manager? Be a to be a leader. Yeah. So I have a, <clears throat> again, nothing new, but I have a, a very strong belief that you don't have to be a manager to be a leader, but you should be a leader if you're going to be a manager. And there's, there's a dynamic difference. In fact, I... I kind of do training separately on management and leadership. There's a whole lot of crossover because I want that manager to be a leader. That's great. What else do we have? What other thoughts do we have? What's it mean to be a manager? Yeah, be selfless. Selfless. Very good. Yes. Yes. 100%. So <clears throat> you all... Um, you may know of this new website that's out there. Uh, it's spelled G-O-O-G-L-E. And um, if it's on Google, it's true, right? Like, that, that is the gospel. If it is on Google, that's the way it has to be. That's where we go for all great information. And so if you Google management, you know, it pulls up their first definition. And I'm going to read for you word for word. Now, I, I've been presenting this for a few years now, and I keep thinking it's going to change. So before I do this, I always go back and I look. And, and so... This was as of a week and a half ago. This was still the, the first definition that came up. Management. The process of dealing with or controlling things or people. 
Can you imagine? But how many people do you know or have you experienced, how many managers have you worked for that take that to heart? That it's about dealing with or controlling people. We have millions of people right now in management positions throughout this country that really believe that's what management is. And that's the reason I get to take that next step because now I get to control people. Instead of helping them succeed and helping to want to make them thrive and, 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 and empower them to be better, I need to control them. I'm going to have less stress, make more money, and control people. Three great reasons to get into management. And so there are a lot of people that really, really believe that. So <clears throat> one of the things that I learned early on and recognized early on in my career, one of the key, just fundamental core things about management is it's not about me anymore. And so I, I really, and I'll admit, I, I fail in this sometimes whenever I'm talking about my team but I really try to make sure that even my language reflects that, that it's about we, that, that people work with me and not for me, okay? Um, my team knows, like, I hate the word boss. Uh, and they'll say that sometimes jokingly. In fact, uh, Leanne in the office made the comment just earlier about, yeah, the boss said I could work from home tomorrow. And just because she knows that kind of just crawls under my skin a little bit, like, just that concept. Because without them, we don't succeed. And I hope that I play a little bit of a role in that as well. But but we are a team. We work with each other. No one works for me. I, I think that that's demeaning and degrading. So, so let's talk about my definition. My definition, and this is based on several things that I've read, I've studied, just how I think about it. And, um, and my definition is basically this. It's accomplishing defined strategies and goals through others. Accomplishing defined strategies and goals through others. Let's break this down. So what's the responsibility of the manager? To lead the development of long-term strategies, okay? So if we're gonna accomplish strategies, first we have to have them. And so the manager's responsibility is to lead the development of these long-term strategies. Now, each area of responsibility is going to be a little bit different in how broad you can get on this, but each area of responsibility, each manager has some form of responsibility around developing some long-term strategies for their team and their area of responsibility. The next thing is define the goals of the team, and we're really going to dive into this a little bit whenever we start to build these four walls, as I call it. <coughs> Excuse me. But we've got to define the goals of the team. We've got to make sure that everybody understands what's expected of them, what's expected of the team, where the team is going. And then develop the goals for each team member. <clears throat> so we may have some, based on our long-term strategy, we're going to have some goals. We're going to break it down a little bit into some goals for the team. But then each person's going to be a bit unique in their role of responsibility, their, their um, area of expertise. And so we've got to develop goals for each individual person as well. Now. <clears throat> This is the last part, and this is the most critical because all three, the other three things that I've just mentioned can be outsourced. Someone else can do that for us. But here's what can't be done. Here's what only the manager can do. Establish accountability and recognition metrics to achieve these goals. So if we're defining management as accomplishing defined strategies and goals through others, accomplishing and through others are what make the manager because everything else can be outsourced. Someone else can develop our strategies. Someone else can come up with some goals. 
Someone else can work with our team one-on-one and kind of outline some very specific things that each person needs to do. But only you as the manager can accomplish through others through accountability metrics and recognition metrics to make sure that we actually are accomplishing those goals. <clears throat> so that's what makes the difference. Everything else is fairly tactical, but this, this right here, this is the meat. This is what makes the difference. This is what makes a manager a manager. So this whole presentation is around this idea of building four walls of management, okay? And it's these four basic principles. But before we build four walls, we've got to build a foundation. And so there are three key parts to building the foundation. The first one, as Wes had mentioned, selfless. Part one is being, being selfless and not selfish. See, once you become a manager, your priorities are going to shift because it's not about you anymore. Once you become a manager, your priorities shift to, um, to the people that are working with you. The way that you think, the decisions that you make, the language that you use, it's all about helping others now. It's not about me. I may very well make decisions in my management capacity that aren't the best decision for me. They may not give me as much time off as I want. They may not fit into my skill set as well as I would want them to. But it's not about me anymore. I've got to be selfless. It's about other people. And so the first thing we have to do in the foundation is understand once we take on this responsibility, which we've all agreed to do, it's not about me anymore. It's about other people. And we've got to put those other people first. And then the next thing is the manager's mirror. So you talked about reflecting. So here's what I want you to think about. Um, in almost everything we do, we've got to kind of go back and we're going to look at the manager's mirror. And as we go through the workbook later, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Let's look at the manager's mirror. We've got to look at ourselves first. Okay? So even though we're going to be selfless, we need to know who we are. And so we've got to make sure that we understand how we like to be managed. We need to understand our preferred methods of communication. We need to understand our personality, what our pet peeves are. We need to know who we are. We can't be confused by who we are. But here's the other thing. I want you to think for just one second about in your area of responsibility, what's one thing that you are unhappy with, with your team? And I'm gonna almost guarantee that's a failure on your part. Because if you think, you know, my team's just not really client-centric, you probably are not client-centric. My team's really unorganized. They don't ever seem to be on time. Well, make sure that you're very organized and that you're on time. More times than not, your team is going to reflect their leader. They're going to see what you do, and that's what they're going to emulate because that's what they believe is right, which is why you can have someone that goes to work for an organization and shows up on time every single day without fail, and they go to work for another company, and they're always five minutes late. And and people don't understand, what's the difference? Well, the difference is because of the company culture and what's deemed appropriate. What does the leader do? What does the manager do? I worked for a company one time, but that became a real issue. Um, in our store, we probably had 150 employees. And it was like, you really didn't have to show up on time. Like, that was just part of that, that organization's culture. And one of the assistant managers got really frustrated with it, went to the store manager and said, hey, I need you to you know, mention this in the morning meetings, we've got to start showing up on time. And he said, and unfortunately he recognized this, how can I tell them to show up on time when I don't? You can't have different expectations than what you have for yourself. It, that's exactly right. 
Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting because a lot of the way that I relate to management, I, I use stories about kids, and it's not because I think people are kids, but I think there's just some inherent human nature. And it's just more obvious in kids. But adults do the same things. And so we are going to reflect, we are, we are going to reflect the people that are our leader and the people that are leading us. And so as we look through this, uh, this manager's mirror, let's think about the expectations that are outlined. Have we outlined proper expectations? And again, we're going to dive further into this in a little while, but have we outlined expectations? Because if not, they're going to outline expectations of their own. Do, do the people that are working with us have the support and the tools that they need to succeed? Because if they don't, that's not their fault. They are failing because of you. You've not provided them the tools that they need. And so the way I like to illustrate this is, let's go back to high school for just a second. I know like some people are saying, yes, that's awesome, and some are saying, no, please, let's not. But let's step back into high school for just one second, right? And, um, and let me first say, too, like, I love teachers, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to bash on teachers. My wife's a teacher. My dad was a school principal. My mom was a teacher. Like, I love teachers in the education system. But here's the thing. Put yourself back in that situation, and you're sitting in English class, and not only did you fail the test, but the whole class failed the test. Whose fault is that? Teachers. It's the teacher's fault. That's exactly right. It's not the student's fault. If the whole class fails, it was not instructed properly. People were not told what to do in the right way. That material was not explained. And it's the same in management. If people aren't meeting expectations, why do you think that is? Because you didn't tell them what the expectations were. You didn't provide them the tools and support that they need to succeed in those areas. So the first thing we have to do before we say, we've got a problem, we need to look in our manager's mirror and say, is the problem me? Because 90% of the time, it is. And then once you've reflected on that and you understand, nope, we are doing these things, the rest of the team is reflecting that the way that I've expected them to, the way I've defined it to, and then now all of a sudden we can kind of take a step to the person and say, okay, as an individual person, we have an area of concern that we need to address. But so we have to take a look at this manager's mirror. It's so important. Before we get frustrated with our team, look at yourself. Make sure that you are on the right page. And the last thing is really simple. The golden rule. Anybody ever heard of it before? Treat others like you want to be treated. And so as we drill that down a little bit into management, be the manager that you want to be. If, if you don't like to be micromanaged, don't micromanage. If you don't like to be reprimanded, don't reprimand. Be the manager that you want to be. Now, we're going to shift this a little bit later whenever we talk about adjusting to other people's personality and attitudes. But at the core, you have to be happy with who you are. And you don't want to be hypocritical in your management style. You don't ever want someone on your team to say, man, if somebody did that to them, if, if their supervisor said that to them, they'd be so mad right now. You need to be able to, with a clear conscience, say, this is how I want this done. This is how I want this addressed. This is how I want to be talked to about this. This is how I want this handled. I personally, I love direct communication. Tell me what the problem is. Okay, so because of that, guess what my management style traditionally is? It's fairly direct. Now, I do have to understand that everybody's personality is not like that, and I've got to be able to make that adjustment, but I have to know who I am first, and I have to know that I'm probably going to, to resort back to being the manager that I want to be, being the manager that I would want to have. 
what, how do I want someone to handle me? And that's the way I'm going to handle situations as well. And at the end of the day, if you do that, not everyone will sleep well at night, but you will. And that's a whole lot better than sitting up saying, man, I messed that up. I shouldn't have done that. If someone, oh, if someone acted like that to me, I'd be so mad right now. At least you can say, no, I, I can justify my actions and statements because this is exactly the way I would want to be addressed. This is exactly how I would want this situation handled. And so then whenever someone questions you and says, well, that's not the way I went to, well, you're right, and I'm sorry. That's the way I would have wanted it, so that's the way I did it. Let's, let's adjust. But you know, that, you know that you are being the best version of you that you can be. Thank you for checking out today's Business Playmaker. Links to the resources discussed in today's episode are available in the show notes. For more information and resources from your host, you can visit him at www.kylegorman.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for the latest episodes. And until next time, make it a great day.